you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. hi everybody it's great to be back with you yet again this week i hope you all are happy and healthy and i hope you all will bear with me because i had covid what is it now three weeks ago, and I am still stuffy, congested. I'm just not back to normal. I'm not thinking as fast as I used to. The brain fog is real. Uh, And I hope that you guys aren't struggling. Luckily, I'm not having too hard a time. I definitely know people who've had it worse. I'm so grateful that I can taste and smell because I'm a food lover. It's very important for me. But there are still some side effects that are causing me agita. Bear with me as I muddle through. Uh, Without further ado, I'm going to dig right into the mailbag because I have so many delicious questions that have come through. If you have questions for me, please don't hesitate to send them and be sure to send some pictures to illustrate the situation. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. And once you're there, you'll see a little button that says, submit your question to the podcast. It's a quick, easy form. And then I'll be able to answer your question right on the show. Okay, let's get to my first question today, which comes from Renee. Renee writes from Atlanta. She says, hi, Betsy. What would you do for storage in this small master bathroom? The wallpaper is coming out soon along with the vanity, the wall cupboard, and maybe I'll even remove the mirror medicine cabinet. Unfortunately, there's an HVAC vent as well as a towel bar that keeps the vanity from going all the way to the wall. So far, I'm leaning towards a pedestal sink with a round edge to fit next to the towel bar with some Ikea bathroom wall cupboards. We're trying for cozy mid-century modern. Can you comment on the fixtures too? Most of our house is 1970 brass, except for the chrome in the bathrooms. I don't want to go too trendy so that our updates will last a while, but I do like the brass. Thanks for your generous attitude towards design. Well, it's my pleasure, Renee, and let's dig right in. So these pictures are super helpful in illustrating the situation with this bathroom. Let me describe it a little bit for the listeners. And if you're watching on YouTube, well, you know, you'll be able to see all of this with your very own eyes. 
But you have some brown or taupe square tiles that go um, about 42 inches, 48 inches up the wall. Then you have a relatively lively red floral wallpaper that has a cream background, but red flowers. Uh, you have a three bulb vanity light above a rather small mirror. You do have a small bathroom vanity cabinet. You have some 3M hooks on the wall. You do have that cabinet that you referred to above the toilet, but there does seem to be a very limited footprint here. Uh, let's dig right into it, shall we? So in terms of, let me, let me begin at the end. You mentioned maybe making the um, fixtures brass because you're changing them anyway and the rest of the house has the brass. Now I can see here on the doorknob to the bathroom, it is silver. The hinges appear to be silver. So you want to think about that. If you're going to change this to brass, you're going to want to change those things and you're going to want to make it consistent. It is not unheard of to have brass hardware throughout a home and then to have chrome in the bathroom. And I'm okay with that too. Whatever you choose, just keep it consistent. So if you're going to stick with chrome in the bathroom, just stick with that. Or what's really fun, but can be a bit more obscure, is to find something that could be two-tone in the bathroom. Typically, it's going to be the light fixture or the mirror that could be both brass and silver. Now, as you know, I don't typically mix warm and cool metals, but if I'm doing something very intentional, if I'm trying to make something work architecturally without having to rip everything out, it is something I will go to. In fact, I'm designing a place right now in Manhattan and the woman loves glam. She loves brass, but there are some very expensive fixtures in the hallway. I can tell they're from Restoration Hardware. I can tell they're brand new. I do not want to rip those out. And they are, of course, chrome, but she wants like a very interesting semi-flush chandelier in her entryway. So I specifically looked for something that's both gold as well as chrome. So that way it can pull together the gold brass finishes I'm going to be using in the living space with the hallway fixtures that are that restoration hardware, shiny chrome. I found just the perfect thing at Burke Decor. It is amazing. It is $1,200, but it fits within her overall budget and it's going to be a showstopper. So that's another way that you could conceptualize this for name. What I would highly recommend is I would recommend getting a vanity cabinet that has storage. I think you're really going to regret the pedestal sink because you're telling me that you need storage and a pedestal sink does not innately have any. Now, there are little storage solutions that can go under a pedestal sink. Some people even put a skirt around a pedestal sink. Not my fave. But in this case, I would definitely do a vanity with a cabinet. I would also consider, since you're removing the mirror, the lights, all of this, hopefully the wallpaper as well, that maybe you do an inset vanity mirror that is a medicine cabinet that not only spans above the vanity cabinet, but also spans above the toilet. So it's much wider, right? And will give you a lot more storage. And then when you do replace the light fixture, you're not going to center the light fixture above the vanity cabinet. Rather, you're going to center the light fixture above that entire long rectilinear horizontal mirror. 
in that way, you're getting a lot of storage in the vanity cabinet. And Ikea does have some really nice selections, especially uh, if you don't want it to go all the way down to the ground. They do have some really cool mid-century modern vibe medicine, or I'm sorry, vanity cabinets that don't go all the way to the floor. So you can still dust and clean and it feels a little bit lighter, but it does have drawers for storage. Um, my personal opinion based on your note is that you need as much storage as possible. So I'd probably go all the way down to the ground and you'll find a ton of options in this size, which appears to be 18 to 24 inches wide at Wayfair, at build.com. Those are two of my favorites when looking for vanity cabinets that have to fit a specific size because they have such great filters. So you can modify the exact size to exactly what you need. I definitely would do that recessed medicine cabinet. If this is sheetrock, which it looks like it probably is based on the era of the home, they can easily cut that in. So that way nothing is projecting over the toilet or projecting over the vanity cabinet. Recessed medicine cabinets are just so much more aesthetically pleasing, seamless. They feel less bulky. The thing that's bothering me and, and just giving me a touch of hesitation is that your tile goes up a little bit higher than normal. So normally around a bathroom perimeter, it would be like 36 to 42 inches and yours appears to be 42 to 48 inches, which means in order to see yourself in the mirror above the tile, you need to be on the taller side. And I certainly hope you are, Renee. If you're not on the taller side, you may want to consider redoing the tile because it does look a little dated. It truly does. Now you can get this tile painted. You could use tile tattoos, which are just such an affordable, playful way to shake up these square tiles. But if you were doing a major overhaul of this bathroom, I would definitely change the layout of these tiles so that they go lower. So your vanity cabinet um, mirror is more in line with what people are actually looking at and what people are used to when they're looking into a mirror. And then definitely change out that shower head. And you're going to have a hard time finding shower, uh, oh goodness, knobs. Oh my, my brain is really fried, guys, um, that, that are separate. Nowadays, it's typically one. So that might be another change that you want to make if you're pulling out this tile. And if you're not pulling out the tile, you're going to be very limited in what you can find with that. So you may want to source on some vintage fixture places, which I had to do when I renovated my bathroom in the West Village. It had the two knobs as well, and it's pretty obsolete. So I had to go to a vintage place, and it can be even more difficult if you're looking for a specific finish. So I would suggest that you start there, find that most difficult piece first, and then it will tell you what to do with everything else. Should you stay in the silver family? Should you blend the silver with the brass? I think looking for that hard to find item right off the bat will give you a very clear direction. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. 
You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. But there we go. Oh, you know, I had another idea. Speaking of the West Village, speaking of my former studio apartment that was 225 square feet, but it did have a very generously sized bathroom. What they did, and by they, I mean the people who lived there before me, which I found to be supremely helpful because as you can hear in a 225 square foot apartment, you need to maximize every inch of storage space is above the tile in the shower. It was very similar to what you have here in that there was sheetrock or, you know, in your case, you have wallpaper over the sheetrock, but they had installed a shelf that was maybe max a foot from the ceiling to the shelf, but it was just enough space for me to put towels, washcloths, to put um, like bins that had extra shampoos, toilet paper, soaps, and it was right above the shower. So you may want to consider that. It never got wet because it was above the shower head. It wasn't too deep, so it didn't make the shower feel cavey in any way. And I found the storage to be so functional and just a true lifesaver. Now that is a last resort, right? You can always store a lot of those things, extra shampoos, extra toilet papers in a place that's not the bathroom right? If you have a nice linen cabinet, closet, excuse me, or just any other sort of even um, external cabinet right outside the bathroom in the primary bedroom. But if push comes to shove and you really need that space, I would consider doing a shelf right there in the shower above the shower head to get that extra foot of space. And then if you are tall, Renee, like I'm imagining you are, you can just reach up on that shelf to grab your towel after you're done showering, which is exactly what I used to do. And I just loved the accessibility. All right, there we go. Let's move on to my next question, which comes from Catherine. Catherine is writing from Canberra, Australia. And she says, hi, Betsy, I'm a fan of the show. And I very much appreciate the practical advice in your book which definitely feels much more inclusive than most interior design books. While I do like the design philosophy of the two-word phrase, I was hoping for some advice about my feeling word. I'm finding this much more difficult than my style word, both in terms of deciding what to do and how to apply it. After a lot of deliberation, I have settled on Scandinavian as my style word. The clean lines, lack of clutter, and emphasis on natural textures really appeals to me. I love the idea of beauty in everyday items and huga. The only real downside is that Scandinavian can feel a bit muted, and I would like to add more vibrancy, character, and interest with my feeling word. Do you have suggestions for good contrasting feeling words that would go well with the Scandinavian style? The second part of the feeling word question is how do I apply this? It would be great to have more examples of how the feeling word fits in. A furniture, artwork, curtains, etc. 
In my living room, we have a 9 by 12 vintage Persian rug that is brightly patterned in predominantly pinks and blues, but there's also many other colors. The plan is to use this as the inspiration piece, so it'd be great to have a feeling word that matches this colorful Persian rug. I'm afraid all of this has become quite a long question. Any pointers would be most appreciated. Thanks for all your wonderful podcasts. Well, I'm happy to help, Catherine. Thanks for writing in. So, yes, you know what I love to do with my two-word phrases is make them very disparate, make them almost opposites because it can make the room so much more complex and interesting. For instance, if your style word was Scandinavian and your feeling word was calm, subdued. Well, Scandinavian is pretty calm and subdued. Typically, they're light-colored neutrals. Typically, there's not a lot of stark contrast. So you're just reinforcing the same style word. And maybe that could be perfectly summed up with a style word. But in other words, it's just not a very interesting or complex space when the style word and the feeling word are just too similar. So I applaud you for going something, going for something that is really different because that is going to make the space feel uniquely you. Unlike if they were similar, it's going to feel like a Scandinavian designs catalog. In this case, I'm going to walk in and say, oh my gosh, this space is so Catherine because she's got this really cool Scandinavian furniture, but it's so playful the way she's done it. So you want to think about what colors evoke in you in terms of a feeling. Because the problem with me giving you a word, especially in a different country, is that words have different connotations to different people. And back when I was a young designer, I would share my two-word phrase with my clients because I wanted them to understand my vision. I wanted them to get as excited about the look for their space as I was. And I wanted them to have confidence in me that I really got them and was going to reflect back something that they would love. But I quickly realized that my interpretation of a feeling word, let's just say um, playful, or let's just say kooky, or let's just say um, one of them one time I did was like rockin'. I wanted it to just feel rockin', right? Even though we were going for a very specific style, which was kind of Victorian or antique. So the style was Victorian and antique, but I wanted it to feel rockin'. I shared this with my client and she was like, upset. That's not me. She got all concerned. This isn't who I am. I don't think I'm going to like it when really it totally was who she was in my lexicon, right? And so I think it's very dangerous, just like having somebody else pick out your wardrobe or, you know, having somebody else pick out what you want for dinner. I just think it's dangerous to give your tastes over to someone else. So I think it's dangerous, especially with the um, difference in cultures, for me to pick your word. I think not only will the word be more meaningful if it comes from you, but also you'll be more able to use that word when you're shopping. Because I don't just make a two-word phrase because it's fun or because it's catchy. I make a two-word phrase to check myself. When I'm out shopping, is this Victorian? Or is this rockin'? If it's not one or the other, or maybe both, then it's not happening in this space, right? 
So that's what I want you to be able to do. And if I gave you a word, you might sit at home goods and say, I don't know, is this playful? I'm not sure, right? And that means digging a little bit deep on your end. But also it'd be quite helpful not to... uh, not to criticize you, but it'd be helpful if I could see that rug or see some things that you're really drawn to. Because if I could see what you're passionate about, see this pivotal piece, this rug that's going to be the inspiration piece for the room, well, that might give me some insight in how to build that two-word phrase backwards, how to take what's already going on and say, hmm, I wonder what drew Catherine to this rug. Let's find a feeling word that we can associate with this. Uh, That would be my recommendation, but it's very important in my opinion to get super clear on that two-word phrase before you launch into shopping, designing, before you get ahead of yourself. Because if you're out shopping and don't have that benchmark, don't have that to always come back to to check yourself, you can buy a lot of disparate items that don't go together, that you really like but they don't feel cohesive in the same room. So I do want you to lock that in. I'm sorry I wasn't able to give you a word that you could just adopt, but I think the journey for the word is as important as the journey for the accessories and the furniture. And I'm going to keep that in mind as I'm designing my own house because you know what occurred to me? Oh my gosh, I'm going to go off on a tangent. Is that okay, guys? This is an important tangent, but I did some soul searching. And what I realized is after 17 years of designing, I've actually probably, I've been designing since 2003, but only had my own company since 2005. After many, many, many years of designing for clients, I have lost my way. When I started as a designer, I had a very clear style. So clear, super colorful, mod patterns. If the Brady Bunch went into a rainbow store and said, we'll take everything you got, that was me. I particularly was drawn to blues and oranges. I loved bold patterns. I loved stripes. I mean, it was loud and proud. And, you know, I realized quickly that that was not a style that my clients were going to be asking me for. That was not a style that any of my clients were drawn to. And it was something that was going to have to be uniquely mine because nobody was going to pay me to do that to their house. I instantly realized if I wanted to be successful and have happy clients, I would need to adapt and understand their styles. So I became a true chameleon. And I must say I've worked in, well, I've worked in thousands of styles because each client space is unique. Uh, So I've between the two word phrase, I should say, between the style word and the feeling word, I've had thousands of them. Literally, I've had thousands of clients. And now what I find myself drawn to is everything. I mean, I can find the beauty in anything. So I think that's why as I've been house hunting, I only want a house that has a lot of character. Can't be any new build because with a new build, you have a blank canvas, tabula rasa. I can impose any style I want on that. I could put antiques in there. I could put mid-century modern furniture in there. And it will really go because first of all, white walls are in blank canvas. And also there's not a lot of ornate detailing these days. So it's pretty straightforward and allows me lots of artistic license, which I love when working with a client because they're going to tell me what to do. But when not working with a client, 
when working for myself, it's paralyzing to not have somebody to boss me around. So that's why I love older spaces. That's why I love spaces with a ton of character. I mean, I need ornate carvings. I need loud light fixtures. I need things that maybe I can't remove. Like one of the houses I was looking at in every room, I kid you not, every single room, and I've never seen this before, had a blanket bench, a built-in blanket bench that was very ornately carved, lots of pictures and intricate designs. And it's just like a big toy chest that's built into the wall or a big cedar chest that's built into the wall. But um, it feels so strange, so impractical for the way I want to live, and yet so filled with character and so innate to the room's in this home that I couldn't just rip it out. I'd have to work with it. Kind of like a client who's saying, Betsy, this is my favorite thing and you're going to make it work. This is my hallmark and you better not ignore it. So I think my quest for a space with so much character is because personally, I've lost my own character along the way and I need something bossy to whip me into shape, tell me what to do, because those boundaries, those confines of the blanket bench or my client's, you know, buffet that they got in, you know, a flea market in Istanbul that they had shipped over, whatever, right? These deal breakers, these things that will never go away that I need to work with actually give me so much freedom because it's the freedom within the boundaries that allows me to soar. Having total freedom to choose whatever I want is paralyzing. So I just realized that the other day and figured I'd bring it up here because I've got the COVID brain fog. And so things are not exactly linear. I'm I'm going off on tangents all over the place, but that was a breakthrough in understanding myself. And if you guys are burgeoning designers out there, you might feel the same way. And, And bear in mind, it doesn't mean you can't be a successful designer if you have a clear style and people aren't willing to pay you for it because I must say, I almost never design in that style I loved so long ago. Um, You may find that you need to be malleable. And the best way to learn to appreciate other styles is to subscribe to a variety of magazines. I love the tactile nature of a magazine, turning the pages. It just feels so much more soulful than scrolling online, but really doing research so that your eye is trained to appreciate lots of different styles. So that way, when your clients push you in one way or the other, you can find beauty in, first of all, the things that are deal breakers for them, but also in a style that doesn't particularly resonate with you. Oh, what did I have to do the other day? Okay, this this was hard. My client liked like that total 80s style where everything is geometric shapes. The couches look totally uncomfortable. They look practically space age. Uh, Yeah, not good. The only art he enjoyed was like that metal print art. So it couldn't be anything that was framed on paper, on canvas. None of that. It had to be the metal art. Everything was so cold and so um, unapproachable. And it was just a style I had a very hard time getting excited about. It was a style I wanted to tell him, you know, go back to the future, man. This is no longer relevant. But he was just so into it and had a lot of pre-existing pieces and just needed me to help him make it sophisticated. So I did some resourcing online because I had to get behind. I had to get excited about this style that actually really turns me off. Um, 
So it's just another example of how you can learn to appreciate other viewpoints by surrounding yourself with lots of source material. And maybe, Catherine, that, just to circle back to your question, would help you, you know, if you're looking through source material and looking for inspiration pictures for your own space, maybe ask yourself what feeling is evoked when you look at a certain picture that you really love. Or maybe go find that rug online and see how they've styled it on the online catalog. And then maybe something will come up for you seeing how somebody else arranged it and it'll sort of bring your own style to life. There we go, guys. A glimpse inside my COVID fog, but it's clearing up. I can feel it. So if you want more lucid answers to your questions, don't hesitate to drop them in my mailbag. Uh, uh, you'll go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, affordableinteriordesign slash podcast, and I'll answer all your questions. All right, everyone, until next time. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.